This is our second look at Philippians 2, 9 to 11. Last time we spent all of our time just looking at the massive and glorious implications for Christ and for us in this word, therefore. And in this session, I want to focus on what it was that Jesus was highly exalted to, what it was that was bestowed on him. Therefore, God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name, what name? That is above every name, so that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. So, Father, we are praying to you now in the name of Jesus Christ our Lord, asking that this text would be illumined by your Holy Spirit as we look steadfastly at your book and try to understand this magnificent exaltation that you gave to your Son, I ask this in his name. Amen. Therefore God highly exalted him. And the Greek exalted him to the highest. And we would ask here, is he thinking in terms of something higher than he already had? Remember back in 2.6, he was already equal with God. But here's the difference. This was not simply a return of the Son of God to his exalted position. This was now the God-man. He had been clothed with humanity. He had taken on human nature. So the one who's being highly exalted here, is not merely the Son of God in his divine nature, but the God-man, Jesus Christ, Son of God, Son of Man, in his human nature and divine nature, that brought into being something that had never existed before. Humanity had been taken up, as it were, into the Godhead. And so when he says, God highly exalted him. He's thinking here he was crucified and now he's alive. He was poor and lowly and now he's rich and high. He was, he was weak and rejected and now he's strong and, and uh, submitted to by all. He was mocked and now he's the ruler over all the mockers. So that's, that's, that's the flavor of this word here, the, the crucified one who was obedient unto death in his earthly life has now been totally vindicated and highly exalted, higher not than he was before in his deity. You can't get any higher than being equal with God, right? <laughs> but the God-man was now exalted vastly above what he was 
on the earth in his lowly, obedient, shamed, mocked, crucified condition. And this now suits him to be something brand new. For example, here's Revelation 5, 11 and 12. I looked and I heard around the throne and the living creatures and the elders and the voices of many angels numbering myriads of myriads and thousands of thousands saying with a loud voice, worthy, worthy is the lamb who was slain. So it's the being crucified, being obedient unto death, even death on a cross, that makes him worthy of what? To receive power and wealth and wisdom and might and honor and glory and blessing. So that's what we hear here. Therefore, because he was obedient like a lamb, being led to the slaughter as the God-man, because of that he is worthy now to be highly exalted or here's another example in Acts 5, 30 to 31. The God of our fathers raised Jesus, whom you killed by hanging him on a tree. God exalted him to his right hand as leader and savior to give repentance to Israel and forgiveness of sins. It's precisely because he had been killed that he's able to give forgiveness of sins. So what has come into being with this high exaltation following the crucifixion is a new reality, namely a leader and a savior who's able to exert lordship as a God-man redeemer, not just the Son of God restored to his deity, but the God-man highly exalted above what he was on the earth. One more example. Ephesians 1, 20-23, God raised Christ from the dead, seated him at his right hand in the heavenly places, far above all rule and authority and power and dominion and above every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in the age to come, And if you stopped right there, you could say, well, he he had that superiority before he became man. Yes, he did. But follow this through. And he put all things under his feet and gave him as head over all things to the church, which is his body. When Christ died and rose again, he bought the church and became united to the church as a head to a body so that the fullness of Christ now fills the earth as his body. The exercise of the lordship of Christ is extended through his church in the universe And that's only possible because he died and rose again. Therefore, God highly exalted him and bestowed on him. I pause over this word bestowed because even though it can't be seen, um, charizomai in Greek, Ordinarily, almost in all the places where it's used by Paul, means forgive or give freely to those who don't deserve anything. And it really puzzles us here when we see that God 
uh, bestowed, freely bestowed on him a name. Because this therefore here seems to imply that Jesus was infinitely worthy of this high exaltation, which he was. So my explanation for why a word would be used here of of freely and graciously given is because Paul at this point has in his view not so much the vindication of Christ in view of his perfect obedience, but rather he has the lowly, scorned, rejected, sin-bearing, shamed Christ. In other words, he's, he's viewing Christ the way the world views him here as f- full of sin, as a crucified criminal, and, and shamed as he hung naked on the cross, and scorned by the rulers, and mocked as he hung there. And God is saying, I freely, joyfully, gladly raise this one up from the dead in spite of scorn, in spite of sin, in spite of shame. So that's what I think is going on here with this word charizomai, which ordinarily means freely or graciously rather than deservedly being raised. Both are true, but the focus here is I'm doing this so gladly and so freely to one who looks like he doesn't deserve anything. Oh, how he does. One last question. What's the name? He bestowed on him the name that is above every name, so that at the name of Jesus, now notice it's at the name of Jesus. Jesus isn't the new name that he receives. He already had that name, and the name Jesus isn't special in Judaism. It it was the name Joshua. It was common among many boys. It's at the name of Jesus. When the name of Jesus is spoken, what name will be heard? At the name of Jesus, every knee will bow. At the name of Jesus, every tongue will confess that he, this Jesus, at the name of Jesus, Every tongue will confess that Jesus is, that Jesus Christ is Lord. And the reason I think that's the name is because this is, in fact, right here, this is a quotation from Isaiah 45, 22 to 23. Turn to me and be saved. This is God talking. All the ends of the earth For I am God, and there is no other. By myself I have sworn, from my mouth has gone forth in righteousness a word that shall not return. To me every knee will bow. Me, God, every knee will bow. Every tongue will swear allegiance, or more specifically in the Greek translation of the Old Testament, confess. Every tongue will confess. So this is a quotation. This is the Old Testament reference where Paul is drawing these words. And the implication then is stunningly, this Lord here is God Almighty. It's Yahweh. The name that he has received 
that he is given and that he receives because he was obedient unto death and is highly exalted. The name he gets is Lord with its full divine connotations of Yahweh exercising redemption as the God-man. So it isn't that he didn't have the name Yahweh before because he was equal with God. It's now in union with human nature. He is being proclaimed this God-man is in fact very God, a very God and one with the Old Testament Yahweh. So you read Romans 14, 9, to this end Christ died and lived again that he might be Lord both of the dead and of the living. He was already Lord before he died, but now because he is the one who in his human nature died and rose, lived again and conquered death, he can be Lord of the living and the dead. And one more example. Acts 2.36, let all the house of Israel therefore know for certain that God has made him Lord and Christ, this Jesus whom you crucified. So Jesus united with the Son of God, human nature and divine nature, is made or appointed or instituted or put into office as the new reality of Lord and Messiah over his church and over the world as the God man. Therefore, God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name, so that when the name Jesus is heard anywhere in the world, Lord will be ascribed to him. We've got lots more to talk about here, about every knee bowing and every tongue confessing this, and the glory of God being the upshot of it. But we'll stop on this glorious high note for now.